Available at farmnewsnow.com or wherever you find your favorite podcast. Agriculture through a modern lens. This is the AgriPod with Alice McFarland. On this episode, research conducted by the University of Saskatchewan is looking at the effect of feed processing on ergot toxicity. The work is expected to change how feed samples are analyzed. Monogastric nutrition assistant professor Dr. Denise Bolio says researchers are taking a look at the ability of heat and steam to alter a certain ratio of ergot. The Canadian Agricultural Hall of Fame officially welcomed four new inductees at a ceremony in Toronto as part of the Royal Agricultural Winter Fair. Hall President Ted Menzies says it was an extra special event as they celebrated the Hall's 60th anniversary. He will tell us about the four outstanding individuals. After the break, Denise Bolio. Digging into the topics that matter to you, the AgriPod with Alice McFarlane. Dr. Denise Bolio is here to talk about some new ergot research. So first of all, maybe explain what ergot is and why it is uh, a serious animal health concern? Yeah, ergot, it's a plant disease that we see infecting grasses, but also some grains, um, rye especially, but also in in some years we'll see it infecting wheat. And um, the symptoms that we see from ergot uh, are a variety of symptoms. Ergot is a vasoconstrictor. So in really, really severe cases, the vasoconstriction might cause gangrene of like the ears or the tails. And so you could even see sloughing of ears or tails, but that would be a really, really severe uh, contamination. Uh, more likely, the uh, symptoms would be rather modest um, effects on performance. So like decreased feed intake and decreased growth. What causes ergot contamination? And maybe just explain how widespread a problem it is. Yeah, ergot, it, it, it's caused by a, by a fungus and so it's most common in years where there's been um, like a long, cool, moist spring. So and sometimes uh, the ergot bodies, these are these hard fungal bodies, they might overwinter. So a previous year that had um, uh, moisture conditions and things that were good for the ergot developing, followed by a next year with this long, cool, moist spring. It's like a fungus or other, other toxins that develop with, um, moist, um, damp, cool weather that we see perhaps in the spring. And um, so and it infects, prime, it'll infect grasses. So um, grasses in a, like a roadway or something, they could develop the ergot and that could infect a neighboring crop or the crop could be um, contaminated one year after another. And the crops that are that we usually worry about here in Western Canada are rye and wheat that are most uh, susceptible to the ergot contamination. Feed processing has been one way to mitigate ergot toxicity. Denise, what processing methods have you looked at uh, dealing with this issue? Yeah, um, there is some evidence back in the research. Uh, showing that um, when animals were fed diets that had been processed by heat and steam, for example, extrusion or the feed was pelleted, uh, that there was evidence of decrease in toxicity of the ergot. And the premise behind this would be that because ergot, it, it's, it, it's, a, 
it's several chemicals, uh, different alkaloids. Ergot is a con- is several alkaloid um, um, uh, chemicals. So there's several alkaloids with, that can make up ergot, and within each of these each of these alkaloids can be two different epimers, an R or an S epimer, and we always thought that the R epimer was more active than the S epimer, so more toxic than the S. And there's some evidence that with with processing, we're changing, we're, the S epimer is becoming more and the R epimer is becoming less. So we hypothesize that overall processing with pelletine, steam explosion, extrusion, would decrease the overall toxicity of the ergot alkaloids by changing the epimer ratios. So what goals do you have in mind as you're conducting this research? Yeah, well, we conducted the processing aspects of this at the Canadian Feed Research Centre up in North Battleford, and that I collaborated with Dr. Rex Newkirk, which is a feed scientist here here at at the University of Saskatchewan. And the feeding trials were done at the Prairie Swine Centre in collaboration with some grad students, specifically Regina Hom, out at the the Prairie Swine Centre. And just, I've also done similar work with some poultry trials here at the university as well. How did you go about uh, collecting and analyzing the data? Yeah, we did several uh, pilot trials looking at the effect of processing, whether it was steam explosion, extrusion, or the diets were, were pelleted, and and just looking at the profile of both the ergot alkaloids in the ergot itself and the change in the R versus the S epimer to see if we were having effects on that before we did the feeding trials. And so we sent the the processed and the unprocessed samples to the Prairie Diagnostic Services, who through, who through, um, through their analysis, they have um, LC mass spec analysis. Um, it's very uh, sensitive. It's very detailed analysis. There's only a few places in Canada that will do this analysis. So they analyzed all of our samples for the for the different ergot alkaloids and the R and the S epimers within those alkaloids. And we did see that with extrusion or steam explosion, we were indeed changing the epimer profile. So we were decreasing what we called the more active, the R epimer, and increasing what we thought to be the more inactive S epimer. And so then we conducted feeding trials to see if we were indeed changing the toxicity. So we took these trials, we did several um, trials with pigs at the Prairie Swine Center, and we fed them diets with up to zero to four parts per million ergot alkaloids, and these ergot alkaloids with or without processing. And we did indeed see effects of ergot. We saw some decreased growth, some decreases in feed intake, and we saw marked decreases in the hormone prolactin, which is a hormone required for milk output in the sow. Uh, very dramatic decreases in prolactin with, uh, when we fed up to four parts per million ergot. But we saw no effect of processing on these results. So whether the feed was in, had been processed by extrusion or pelleted, it did not affect the toxicity. 4 ppm ergot had the same effect regardless of processing. 
So our conclusion from this is that since we did change the epimer profile with processing, but we saw no effect on toxicity, that the R and S epimers have equal toxicity. And this goes against what is what we thought, which what what is being reported, but it is similar to more uh, to more recent research that's being conducted by by uh, different groups in Western Canada, including those at the at the at the vet college here in Saskatoon. So to summarize, uh, we did see effects of ergot. We saw no effects of processing. So we conclude that the R and the S epimer have comparable, to, uh, they're both toxic. Once you've uh, completed all this information, um, how will this information be shared and uh, who will make use of it? Well, this is important information for those, for example, feeding pigs or uh, we and different groups have shown this dramatic decrease in prolactin when we have any amount of ergot in our diets. So that means that certainly if, the, if a producer suspects that their feed might be contaminated with ergot, they should definitely not feed it to any, um, any to, 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 they should not feed it to, to their sow herd. It will have dramatic effects on milk output by those sows. Um, the, um, the other thing, group that would be interested in this are those that are processing feeds or those involved in looking at um, regulations for toxins in Canada because historically um, we were only determining or if we sent a sample to a lab they would only measure the R epimer. So now that we've shown that both epimers have equal toxicity, that means that we should be measuring both epimers in these samples. So what we thought might have been only 2 ppm in a sample, because we were only measuring the R epimer, is really if we measure both epimers, it's actually 4 ppm. So this has um, um, uh, implications for the analysis of the amount of ergot in our feeds, and when we're looking at older data, trying to compare the older data where they may or may not have been only determining one epimer, it's sometimes hard to, to determine that from what they describe in their paper, but, but very difficult to compare our current work to the, to the older work um, with what we know now about uh, the, uh, the, um, that both, both, both epimers share, share toxicity. Obviously, a lot of work has been done, but uh, what more do you see needs to be done to study ergot? Well, I think they're still um, uh, trying to understand about, um, uh, there's still a little bit to know about, about the, the analysis of these epimers um, and that the Prairie Diagnostic Services here in Saskatoon, I know, are working in that area. Um, we don't know exactly why ergot decreases feed intake and growth in the sows. And um, there's, a, there's laws to be learned about how, these, um, how, these, how the ergot behaves in the body. We do know that there is some conversion of, of the epimers over time, some conversion of the epimers um, uh, in biological fluids, for example. So there's still lots to learn about how these different epimers behave and also the, all of the different alkaloids. So that, like I mentioned, ergot is composed of several alkaloids, and each of these alkaloids 
is both apomers. So the different differential toxicity of, of the individual alkaloids, we still have a long ways to go. Dr. Denise Bolio is an assistant professor of monogastric nutrition with the University of Saskatchewan. After the break, Ted Menzies shares the latest inductees into the Canadian Agricultural Hall of Fame. Digging into the topics that matter to you, the AgriPod with Alice McFarlane. The Canadian Agricultural Hall of Fame has inducted four new members at a special ceremony in Toronto during the Royal Winter Fair. With me is the Hall of Fame president, Ted Menzies. So, Ted, maybe start off by explaining to us what the significance is of having an Agricultural Hall of Fame. The Canadian Agriculture Hall of Fame is actually 60 years old this year. So the first individuals that were inducted into this, unfortunately, many of them had uh, had left us because it was recognized by a group of people that realized there was a void of a way to recognize the leadership and the incredible contributions of many diverse people in agriculture. As I mentioned, uh, the event was held in conjunction with the Royal Winter Fair in Toronto, which was celebrating its 100th anniversary, so a dual celebration. Ted, why don't you tell us about the amazing inductees for this year's class? This year, we hosted it in conjunction with the Royal Winter Fair in Toronto. But then next year, we'll be in Charlottetown, Prince Edward Island, because it is national, and we're trying to move it around so so people in all regions of the country see this. So this year, uh, and I'll start with an individual that many would know, Morris Delage, who is now living at Indiana Head, Saskatchewan, a large grain producer there. His work over uh, many, many years was in plant breeding, both in public and private plant breeding. And so many would recognize his involvement in the development of, of liberty-resistant canola, the, the Invigor, uh, you know, with, uh, using a, a brand name. But uh, he was uh, very instrumental in developing that. So developing herbicide-tolerant canolas was was his main thrust, and he's, uh, for the number of years now, he's been back farming with his family, uh, very successful. He was nominated by AgWest Bio, as well as the Global Institute for Food Security. The next one that I would highlight uh, from Alberta is Mabel Hamilton, who was a school teacher, recognized the need for teaching some aspects of agriculture in the schools, she went on to be involved in, uh, in the Alberta Cattle Commission, the Canadian Angus Association, led the Beef Information Centre, um, an incredible leader in the livestock industry, and uh, very much involved in the National Livestock Traceability System. And she was nominated by the Canadian Angus Association. The uh, third inductee was Dr. Digver Jaya. So tell us about his impressive work. And he was involved in innovative research in stored grain. And uh, many of your listeners will understand that with wet conditions. But it's not just for here. It's for around the world for dealing with food loss. 
a third of the food that is grown, not so much here, but around the world, is lost because it's not stored properly. They don't know how to dry it. They don't know how to keep it in in a good um, in good stay state until it's consumed. So a lot of it is lost that way. So he did a lot of that working here in conjunction with the University of Manitoba, and that's who nominated him. And our fourth one is Ashok Sarpar, and he's known for his milling. Uh, advocacy and his, his brilliant work in how to mill wheat, specific wheat. Uh, we talk about our number one rest Western Canadian wheat, which usually is pretty easy to mill, but we don't always supply that to different countries in the world. They, they can't always afford our high quality wheat. So he helped with countries around the world in ways to mill lower quality wheats to provide the flour that made good quality bread. And it, it, it sounds like a, a small niche market, but we would get phone calls from around the world saying, we're having trouble milling this wheat. And it may not have even been Canadian, but they like to blend ours in with it to bring up the quality standards. So he would be able to, through his consultancy, provide, uh, he would actually go there and help them to uh, set their mills so they could put together, uh, provide a flower that was very, very valuable and sustainable for them. And he was nominated by Cereals Canada. So that's the four that were inducted last Saturday night in Toronto. I'm sure there are a lot of people out there that are listening to this and they're thinking, I know a really good candidate for the uh, Agricultural Hall of Fame. Ted, just explain to us what the process is if we would like to nominate someone. Well, the nominations uh, we we receive um, certainly go on Canadian Agriculture Hall of Fame, so cahfa.com. Go on that website and you will see the process on there and we require that they be a member it's 150 dollars a year to be a member and so we have many corporate members but we also have individuals i'm an individual member of it myself because my my farm never bought a corporate membership Uh, i just bought the membership myself so i can't because i'm on the board now but anyone that is a member of the canadian ag hall of fame and as I say, it's a not-for-profit organization, you can come forward and go, go through. You'll find the nomination process there, and we'd love that because even though we've got member board members from all across Canada, we don't know everybody that has been in a leadership position across this country in the agri-food industry. So I would encourage people to do that. Ted Menzies is the president of the Canadian Agricultural Hall of Fame. Here are some of the agriculture stories from the week of November 7th, 2022. Maple Leaf Foods announced it was experiencing a system outage linked to a cybersecurity incident. The company said that it took immediate action and its team of information systems professionals and third-party experts were working on all available resources to investigate the outage and resolve the situation. The full resolution of the outage will take time and result in some operational and service disruptions. The company said it would be working with its customers and suppliers to minimize disruptions.
Farm Credit Canada had an optimistic outlook for farm machinery sales for the coming year. Chief Agricultural Economist at FCC, J.P. Gervais, said rising interest rates are a concern, but buoyant grain prices should reflect a good year for the farm equipment business in 2023. He said inventories of farm equipment will be better in the coming year. Gervais added a key concern is farmer willingness to replace equipment at a time of rising costs. The Agricultural Hall of Fame for Canada officially welcomed four inductees at a ceremony in Toronto as part of the Royal Agricultural Winter Fair. The 2022 class includes Maurice Delage, Mabel Hamilton, Dr. Digver Jayas, and Ashok Sakar. It marks the 60th anniversary of the National Hall of Fame. For the fourth year, Dumore Agriculture is running the Community Fund Program thanks to Farm Credit Canada and other partners. Executive Director Megs Reynolds says it's encouraging to see more discussion around mental health. In addition to the Talk, Ask, Listen, Dumore Ag is also offering In the Know, Mental Health First Aid, and Suicide Awareness Workshops. There are a variety of online workshops, including Ag Culture, a mental health and agriculture literacy program for mental health professionals. A new report by RBC said Canada's agriculture sector needs to increase food production while also investing in sustainability to reduce emissions. The report, in collaboration with the BCG Centre for Canada's Future and the University of Guelph, said Canada needs to increase its food production by a quarter by 2050 just to maintain its contribution to feeding the world's growing population. The report said that through technology, finance and policy, Canada's agriculture sector could cut up to 40% of potential 2050 emissions. Some key solutions identified in the report include regenerative agriculture techniques like carbon capture, controlled environment agriculture like greenhouses and vertical farms, and technology deployed in everything from crop genetics to soil testing. Earlier this month, global leaders in plant-based foods and ingredients met in Toronto. The inaugural Plant Forward Conference attracted 200 delegates from Canada and another 50 from 10 other leading nations. The event, organized by Pulse Canada and Protein Industries Canada, was meant to solidify Canada's position among plant-based food ingredient producers. Since 2017, nearly half a billion dollars has been invested into accelerating innovation in Canada's plant-based food and ingredient sector. If you like what you've heard, you can rate and review wherever you get your podcasts. And make sure to subscribe to AgriPod with Alice McFarlane for more weekly episodes. The AgriPod is produced by Colby Heiss with host and CJVR Agriculture Director Alice McFarlane and is a division of the Jim Patterson Broadcast Group. Available wherever you find your favorite podcast and at farmnewsnow.com.